On today's episode of Let's Grow Together, I talk with serial entrepreneur Ben Herman. And man, he brings so many amazing lessons that he's learned through creating his own business, his own DJ business at a super young age. And now he's on to his second business, working on a third business. Um, just so much value into how to achieve success through continuous effort and what it really takes and what steps are necessary. And he goes through all this and I don't, you know, I'll, I'll let the episode do its thing, which is so much value jam packed with lessons from his experience and how he was able to build successful business and now is already working on multiple other businesses. So uh, let's dive in, but first the intro. Welcome to Let's Grow Together. My name is Nick Monatatibus, motivational speaker and digital marketing strategist. And this podcast is all about helping you grow both in life and business. Let's dive in. We are back and I'm fired up. I am so excited to dive in and talk with this individual uh, we connected through a mutual friend. It's like one of those things you jump on a Zoom call to me and it's like, hey, did we just become best friends? And we've just like continued to to talk and, you know, we're talking about getting a, a group together and it just goes to show you like how quickly you can connect with somebody else. And so I'm just so excited to dive in and kind of even get to know you even more than we've already connected, but also to get the the listeners to really get to know you so uh ben welcome to the show hey what's up nick you know it's it's a pleasure to get to know you i mean one thing is your listeners probably understand this you're a charismatic guy so you're an easy guy to get along with anyways and then we also have a lot in common as well so it makes it makes it easy oh thank you yeah i appreciate that thank you yeah this is gonna be this is gonna be a really fun conversation as we dive in. I'm curious to kind of hear your story a little bit more. Um, but real quick, just tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do and who you serve. Absolutely. So Nick, like you mentioned, my name is Ben Herman. Uh, I am actually a serial entrepreneur. Uh, that's probably the best way to put it. I never used to call myself that, but I started realizing, man, I am picking up businesses left and right. And it's starting to become that way. So, uh, originally my, my orient, uh, I, 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 my origin story is that, um, I started a DJ entertainment company, uh, that then really grew into more of a full uh, entertainment service provider. Then I started actually, uh, a online DJ school. And then in addition to that, I also do some business coaching on the side. And there may actually be kind of a deal in the works as of now that I can't really talk about at the moment, uh, but there may be another business that's added on. And then lastly, I'm also helping my wife with her online business as well. So <laughs> amazing. Yes. And I'm curious to learn more from, and we'll dive into more, at least in the stuff that you can, can share. Um, but yeah, let's start in the beginning, you know, I, you know, starting your, your DJ company, do you like what was that, you know, experience like, like how young were you? Cause you know, you've been in business a while, right. And you're a young guy. Uh, like when did this start? Yeah. So officially, uh, we've been in business now for 15 years. Wow. Um, but really, you know, us entrepreneurs, we start as sole proprietors without an official business. It's more under the table stuff. Right. So I would say probably started a year or two prior to that, but I officially, like count when I incorporated the business as official start date. Uh, <laughs> so I actually, uh, believe it or not, started my business back in high school. So I was a junior in high school. Uh, I've been a DJ actually since uh, middle school. So I uh, got into it around seventh grade. 
And uh, as I was, again, kind of learning the the business and also the skill of DJing, uh, I started getting gigs left and right and realized, man, this is really fun. But, you know, at first it was more for the love of music. And then it beca quickly became the the passion for business as well, because I really love playing the the game of business, building something that's larger than myself. And so really, it was my sophomore year of high school, I was handed a book, Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Uh, and up until that point, I hadn't finished a book from cover to cover. I was always the person that kind of pretended to read in class. I wasn't actually reading the, the words. So I just had to time myself like every few minutes to, you know, <laughs> uh, shift the pages around. Right. Uh, I did the same thing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I also use cliff notes online for uh, book reports. So, um, so I used to watch the movies. That's, that was my, I tried oh, to find a book. Huh? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So really, um, it was at 16 years of age. That was the first time I actually finished a book from cover to cover. And it was because I was truly interested in the content that was inside. And that book was life-changing, not just to myself, but as I've gone, you know, learned, uh, kind of met other entrepreneurs, it's been a common thing that like this book has really sparked the entrepreneurial spirit in someone. Right. Um, and really what it gave me is it gave me hope. And it also gave me the confidence to understand, because really, if you had a chance to read the book, really what it talks about, is like, how the school system, the public school system is structured, and that's not empowering to everyone. Now, if you want to become like an attorney or a doctor where you need schooling, then that's absolutely important and pertinent. But if you want to become an entrepreneur, it's less important actually to have a diploma because ultimately you're going to hire the people that have diplomas, right? Yeah, it's such a it's such a good book. Like he explains his two different dads, you know, his real his biological dad and his stepdad and how they're two totally different people and how they see different things. That's what's so fascinating. It's such a mindset book. Like I just remember when I was reading it, it was just like the constant, like, you know, the emoji, you can imagine the emoji of just like the exploding head. And that, that's what I remember from it. Just so many nuggets that just like totally blow your mind and make you think about things differently. Absolutely. And the one thing that really did for me also was, I thought I was this weird kid because I struggled in school and the people around me seemed to be really into school. They seemed, it seemed to come easy to them where I was the person that literally stayed after school, getting tutored by uh, either classmates or teachers and still got below average grades. Right. So I really tried hard, but I just struggled at it academically. And this book talked about that, right? And it talked about how that a lot of entrepreneurs, as a matter of fact, struggle academically and that it's totally normal, right? And so for the first time I, I felt like I was seen and I was recognized for being okay, being myself, if that makes sense. Yeah, I love yeah. that. And yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize that it was that common because I share that same origin story and like I struggled with academics and test taking and reading and you know we we're just talking about that like you know like yeah, yeah. I've talked about on the show like my stories with reading but yeah it's just a it's a wild thing of entrepreneurship that opens up so many doors I mean there's entrepreneurs that that you know didn't graduate high school and things of that sort um that that went on to do like incredible amazing things um you know what's so interesting about that is some of the biggest names that we all recognize went through that right so richard branson didn't even finish middle school right 
Bill Gates dropped out of college. Steve Jobs dropped out of college. Michael Dell dropped out of college. Um, Zuckerberg, you know, Ford, yeah. right? Zuckerberg, yeah. Henry Ford didn't uh, graduate middle school either, right? So, oh man, yeah. Henry Ford is super interesting. If you um, if you read uh, Think and Grow Rich, so I happen to be reading right now, so it's pretty top of mind. Um, mm -hmm. I'm rereading it, and yeah, like he had people question him about like the history of things. And he's like, I don't need to know the history of things because I hire people that know these things, you know, yeah. like yeah. people didn't believe he was educated because he didn't know these things, but then they heard him speak about, uh, like the car industry and, and different pieces. And he talked about how I don't need to know this because I have this person that knows all of this. And people were like kind of blown away. And, you know, there's a, a there was a common, perception of somebody who didn't, you know, again, didn't go through the school, but here he was, you know, a revolutionary, you know, like, uh, with what he did in the industry, you know? Yeah. And if, you know, I understand we're, we're supposed to talk about my origin story, but let's stay on this topic because it's super interesting. So another thing that this book unveils, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, is how the modern day school system was founded, right? So of course, schooling has always been around, but really like the 19th and the 20th century school system, how it was founded and, and kind of the purpose of it, right? So here's the interesting part. It's like uh, people like Rockefeller, for instance, right? Um, back in the day, we were in the industrial age, the early 1900s, right? And so there's a lot of uh, adults that were working at the factories because it was a well-paid job, um, you know, with pensions and, and benefits and, all, you know, it was an ideal job to have back then, right? Um, and of course, these adults had children, right? So the challenge was how, you know, how were the children going to be taken care of while mom, mom and dad were, were working at the factory? So as an added benefit, these founders and CEOs or companies, right, decided to build a facility right beside the factory, which is now considered our school system, right? It was classroom style. It was actually supposed to start off as just daycare for the children of the employees, right? But then like, hey, while they're here, might as well actually foster and grow them into becoming awesome factory workers. So let's teach them the things that they need to know to become awesome employees, right? In wow. addition to that, if you think about our federal government backs our public school system, right, financially. So what, does our, what is our, uh, our, our federal government interested in, right? How, how do they stay in business? Taxes. So who pays the highest amount of taxes? Employees, W-2s, right? So our school system is created to empower people to become really successful uh, employees versus entrepreneurs because they're ultimately going to be the people that, that keep the government alive as well. Wow. Right? Yeah. You do I, more research on it. You'll see like all of the big time schools are named after these factory owners, these entrepreneurs. That's amazing. I never even, is that in Rich Dad, Poor Dad? I don't remember that um, part. It's probably, I'm probably due for, you know, a re, a re listen. Um, but yeah, wow. That's so fascinating. And it goes to show too. I mean, I've definitely heard that talk a, a lot about in general, like a lot of higher influencers talk about how just in general, the educational school systems are designed for, you know, employees for creating employees, but I never heard it from the, the past, even further back from like the origin. I thought it was just like, oh, that's how it was. Um, which is, yeah. yeah, it's super fascinating from like this entrepreneurial world of how you're not bred. Like they don't have business classes, 
younger growing up, you know, they're just, it's all this amplitude, amplitude tests and, and all of these things that aren't even helpful for you at all. You know, it's just not designed for school is not designed for entrepreneurship. Not necessarily. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But, you know, hopefully things will start to change, you know, like get against the, uh, against the grain, you know, the, the cog or, <laughs> you know, like yeah, yeah. how can we, how can we as entrepreneurs empower more people, more younger kids into that generation. And you see a lot of parents that are entrepreneurs are, you know, embodying their kids to be entrepreneurs. And you're starting to see that, you know, at least that I've seen like people that I know specifically that are entrepreneurs have kids that are wanting to do things in the entrepreneur world. And again, that kind of comes from, you know, you're, you're, you are your environment of like what you're surrounded with. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is that we need both, right? So employees aren't bad. They're absolutely necessary. And so are entrepreneurs, right? Entrepreneurs are the job creators and employees need to fill those jobs, right? So it's actually, they both rely on one another, right? Which is interesting. Um, but it is also interesting that, yeah, uh, growing up in high school, you know, parents uh, left and right, my own parents, but also, uh, you know, my friend's parents were all, always complaining, why doesn't our school system teach us about how to budget, you know, or, how, you know, just financial education as well. And then here's what, what's even more interesting is even um, like uh, MBAs, right? So masters in business, right? It's more about how, teaching you how to become a CEO or a C-level exec, which in the end is still an employee, by the way, right? It's not, it's not the shareholder, if you really think about it. Right. So business management is really still working inside the business. It's not actually exterior, right, of being a true entrepreneur, which ultimately entrepreneurs want to fire themselves from positions. They want to get someone in there. You know, they want to build up the business enough where they can afford to hire that person and build out the systems that they can train someone to replace themselves from that position. So that way, ultimately, in the end, they can uh, create time and financial freedom to then work on the next project. Right. It's right? exactly it because uh, true entrepreneurs don't actually work at all if they're doing it right. Yeah. You know, they're 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 building a a machine that runs itself. They have employees that take care of everything, and they. And, you know, carry it out and you just sit back and, you know, you do the grunt work in the beginning and then you get to reap the rewards if you're able to create and, and build a team of people around you. And like you said, get the freedom to do other things, you know, like one of my favorite, um, you know, one of my mentors and coaches, he just recently started buying all these properties to do like Airbnbs, you know, and so he's been able to take real estate classes and do that and, educate himself further and get involved in that. And so then that, and then he can make money in a different way. And like, that's the beautiful, beautiful thing. Like there's definitely a difference between business owners and entrepreneurs, you know? And I think if you're listening, like, which one are you and like, which one do you want to be? Cause to me, it's like super obvious and understanding like multiple streams of income, you know, and rich dad, poor dad kind of like circling back is like, I love when he talks about the book is like, you don't even need to have money to be able to create the income. Like mm -hmm. he was able to grow and create his whole empire that he has today through other people's money. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm going through that right now. Like that's the one thing I can't talk about at the moment is there's a deal that's about to happen. That's uh, where, where none of my money is involved actually. Yeah. 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 That's an, it's an amazing thing. You're just like, Hey, you know, there's tons of people out there too that are willing to be that. They're like, Hey, yeah, I'll give you the money. You know, you do the the work kind of thing. And that's a beautiful 
beautiful thing. But I'm sure we could go off. Um, I want to cir- circle back, circle back here to, um, you know, your entrepreneur journey. You know, I love that you started talking about how through DJing, you started to fall in love with just the business aspect, you know, and, and, and how, because I think that's so cool. Cause as a DJ, like if you just wanted to be a DJ your whole life, you know, like, okay. I mean, it, may be difficult. Um, you know, music changes so, so much. Um, but how did like, what, when did that kind of start to take off? Like, when did it become like, Oh, this is just something that I'm doing on the side to being like, wow, this is like my life. Like, this is what I want to build my life around. Yeah. It happened very young. So uh, I understand my, my origin story started a lot younger than most. So again, I was in high school where I was already starting to perform. So really, I was going to high school full time, technically, right, based off a high schooler, um, and then DJing on the weekend. So that was considered part time. Uh, but then at 16 years of age, I was able to work at a job. So I ended up working at a grocery store as well. So really, it was part time. But at the age of 18, I decided to actually quit my 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 grocery job and take the full leap and going full-time with my business. And the reason why was that the business wasn't even ready to financially support me full-time yet. Uh, but I knew that the, the safety net of having that safe paycheck was holding me back and demotivating me to get a jump done a lot faster. Right. And so, uh, in addition to that, I think it was less risky because I was just 18 years of age. I didn't have a family. Right. Uh, my, my lifestyle was definitely way less established, right? We're talking about, you know, just, I mean, late teens. So, uh, my rent was very cheap. Uh, but still, uh, when I made that leap, I learned very quickly that, oh yeah, uh, this was a a very challenging decision because I literally lived on bologna sandwiches for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Not because I wanted to, not because I liked those, (laughs) it's because I financially couldn't buy anything else. Right. And that is what really motivated me to to uh, turn it from not being able to fully support myself to fully supporting myself within six months. That's amazing for you to be able to have that emotional intelli- intelligence to realize that um, and take that that leap. You know, get rid of the safety net. You know, burn the ships, as they say. Right. Yeah. Uh, which is, that's so, that's so amazing for you to do that, especially at a, at a young age like that, you know, being 18 years old and having the courage really, I mean, cause that's what it is, but it's also the confidence like, Hey, I'm going to do this and I'm going to make it work, you know, just gonna, to figure it out. And so here you are 18, you're all in on your business, eating bologna sandwiches to, to make sure that you can get by. So how did it take you? Like, were you able, once you burned the ships, did things start to take off right away? Did it take some time? Like, did you have a big bump or was it just like a slow, gradual build? Like, what was that process like for you? Yeah. Great question. So it was actually a really big bump, right? Because I got really motivated and I figured out how to not only uh, create income for myself that I had full control over versus, you know, knocking on doors, trying to beg for gigs, right? Uh, in addition to that, by doing that, I also attracted more paid clients as well. So it, it was kind of a, a twofold in a sense that um, I was able to generate income in two different ways at the same time within six months. And so that was a, a really beautiful thing. Wait, what do you mean in two different ways? So one was, um, you know, if you think about it, when you first start out, you have no reputation. You have no right. 
proof, no social proof, right? Because again, you lack the reputation. And so could you imagine as a DJ, you're, you're knocking on doors, you're asking bars, nightclubs, and anybody who's starting an event, hey, hire me, please hire me, please hire me, right? And people are like, never heard of you, don't know how good you are. Uh, you can DJ for free, you know, pro bono, because, you know, you got to put your dues in, right? <laughs> you got to pay your dues, right? And I was like, no, I can't, because I got I to gotta get off these bologna sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I ended up saying, you know what? Instead of waiting on someone else to give me the opportunity, why don't I create the opportunity myself? So what I did is I, I went out and I uh, booked a local event venue, right? Just a banquet room, a banquet hall. Uh, then put a marketing campaign together to then promote my own event. I charged a cover charge and then I was able to generate income. But by doing this, I was also promoting my services out in the community by flowering and postering. Uh, back then it was MySpace, So, you know, uh, <laughs> soliciting on MySpace. Thanks, as well. Tom. <laughs> right? Thanks, Tom. And then in addition to that, the people that did show up, right? Not only were they paying customers, but they actually got to witness me now. And so that's what created the social proof as well. Wow. Look yeah. at you thinking outside <laughs> the box. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm curious, how much were you charging for that event for people to get in? So I looked at, again, even back then I was trying to figure out, well, um, there's already, uh, kind of a lot of DJs out there performing for 21 and over events for bars and nightclubs. In addition to that, I was under 21, so it's very challenging for me to get in there because legal it, there's a legal standpoint on that. Um, but me actually just freshly going out of high school, I saw a huge demand that, hey, there's a lot of high schoolers throwing illegal parties where cops are called and, and broken up by the cops. Why don't I uh, create an, a safer alternative that's you know going to be appealing to the parents? It's going to be just as fun for the students as well. And because there's a lack of demand, I can actually charge a premium. So I knew like my school was charging about uh, $10 per person to um, attend, you know, a school dance or a prom or whatever else. Actually, proms were even more expensive, right? So I started off at just $10 a, a person. Well, guess what? A hundred, hundred people is a thousand, but we actually sold out our second event. So the first one was a flop, by the way. So I gave it another try. Uh, so like, I think the first one that I threw had maybe like, seven people that showed up hold on this is great okay so you got the flop okay what what was the the reason for the flop like what did you learn from the flop uh multiple things one is that lack of promotion time right mm -hmm. so i thought okay i only needed to give myself a week to promote and so i was like no i need to give myself like a month to promote to really get the word out right um and i looked at my wounds and I did like sulk a little bit, maybe for like a week. And I was like, you know what? I got to go at it again, right? And so I was so thankful that I did because the second time around, I sold out a venue that had a 300-person capacity, so 300 people, in less than an hour. Wow. Right? How? And mind you, at 18 years old, $3,000 is actually a lot of money. <laughs> Yeah. Lots right? of bologna sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. I mean, think about it. Like, I mean, even a person now making $3,000 a month, right. Is, is considered a decent salary, a decent starting salary, especially, uh, as a 18 year old. Right. Yeah. And so to be able to do that multiple times a month, as you can imagine, could generate a lot more money per month as well. So mind you, it's not 
pure net profit. Of course, there's like, you know, material costs for the flyers and, and that kind of stuff. Uh, renting out the event space. Yeah. It was way more than I was used to. <laughs> right. Year old, so it was definitely worth it still. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so awesome. And I have to say, you know, huge props to having the willingness to, to get up, you know, again and do it because again, you got to imagine there's so many people out there that they try it and they fail and they're like, nah, not, I guess it's not meant for me, but you were like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to do it again. And then you sell it out in an hour. So how, how did you sell it out in an hour? Like, cause I guess at this time too, I can't imagine you had online sales or, or did you? It wasn't online sales. No, it was all at the door. So, you know, we just like poster and flyered, um, and then just MySpace all over the place, right? Back then. So social media, right? So, so that was the only d digital version of ads. Uh, and by the way, I didn't pay, right? It was just me personally posting on people's comments and, and that kind of stuff. And then um, people would show up with cash in hand and they would just pay at the door. Right. So I just like take one of my buddies and say, Hey, I'm going to pay you X amount to sit at the door for uh, the event. And you're just going to collect while I DJ inside. Right. And so mind you, what happened is multiple things. Okay. One is that that was the first event, right? I did it a second time, sold out again within the first hour. So I was like, okay, I got to find a bigger venue. So we made a huge leap to one of the bigger venues uh, here in our community, which had a thousand person capacity. And we sold that one out as well. No way. Oh my gosh. You're a superstar. That is awesome. And then what that did is it attracted all of the high schools from our area. And these students went back to their schools and said, Hey, we need this DJ at our dance, our prom and blah, blah, blah. So it became a promotion device where now I was starting to get booked at these high schools and also had them coming to our event. And then there was a daughter who, uh, she was a, a girl who was the daughter of the owner of the radio station. And said, dad, you need to hire this guy for our radio station, which was the most popular radio station in our area. And so I was able to pick up, pick up a weekly residency on the radio as well, just from these events. Wow. Oh my gosh. This is incredible? so cool. Yeah. This is amazing. Especially to do it as quickly as you did, you know, again, like how, what was the distance between the second event and the third event? How much time? A month. A month wow. time. So, so yeah, I, so I started figuring out. Okay, I one need month, one month, one month plan to then uh, promote. So the perfect time frame for promotion was three weeks. So plan for a week, promote for three weeks, and then have the event and turn around and do it right over again. Right, take the capital, reinvest, and do it over again. Right, and then I started scoping out to like, okay, well, you know, let's start with high schools and fill that demands. Okay, now I realized, well, there's a college like we we it's a college town here too, so we had multiple colleges here. And these people also can't attend the bars or nightclubs. So let's throw them events as well, which also did the same, had, had the same effect. Right. And here's the funny part is for the high school events, we had college students trying to sneak into a high school event. <laughs> it was that awesome. Right. <laughs> which you'd never hear, you know, usually the older kids don't want to play with the younger kids. Right. So to see that happening was just like, we were on to something good, you know, which is amazing. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, yeah, it just goes to show you that um, not only your business sense, but um, clearly a talent for entertaining. You yeah, know, yeah. naturally, you were gifted to be able to have a successful event, have it sell out, have more people come back. Because, like, you could have sold out the first one, do another one, and it flops, you know? But it's like, no, like, people saw you 
because you were willing to take another chance because you were confident that if you get enough people to see you performing, doing your thing, you know, showing off your talent that it was going to work. And, and then it paid off again and again and again, and it just built and built from there. That's, oh my gosh. So awesome. For those listeners out there that are into self-development, and if you're not, I highly suggest you start doing so. I'm assuming that, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably into self-development, right? Um, but the one thing that um, is a cliche saying that you hear over and over and over again is trust the process, right? But there's so much truth to that, right? Because I had to first like hone the skill of DJing, which took hours in my bedroom to actually learn the skills to figure out the music and figure out how to play it in the right way. Then I needed to figure out, okay, how do I market myself? How do I put together an event and promote it, right? But then I actually ran into another uh, stumbling block of, man, I'm starting to work myself to uh, exhaustion, right? Burnout. And I recognized at that point, because I was studying business that, oh, I'm just owning a job. Because I was the owner operator. I was the DJ, the promoter, the the um you know the person that like counted the, the money so the, i guess the the accountant or the bookkeeper as well right and i just owned a job a glorified job that's it and so i had to figure out how can i now scale this beyond myself right and especially when you hear about the bus factor which is how many people need to get hit by a bus before your business goes out of business most business owners especially in the united states have a bus factor of one the owner right. gets taken out by a bus, the business dies with them, mm -hmm. right? And so then I had to learn how to become a leader. And that was a whole different set of skills. So every time that you graduate from one level and go into the next, it's really uncomfortable. You suck at it. <laughs> so it's embarrassing sometimes, right? And that's where the imposter syndrome comes from as well, right? Because you're, you're stepping outside, of, you're being stretched outside of your comfort zone. New level, new devil. Side? What's the opposite side? Staying in your comfort zone. What does that mean? You're staying stagnant. You're staying the same person that you are 10 years ago, right? My biggest fear is staying in the same place the following year. Like, I cannot stay, like, the person I was in 2020 better not be the person I am in, in 2021, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's why you're here. Hey, let's grow together. That's what this is all about. It's this constant, it's this mindset of always working to, to be better and to grow. And I'm like, you said, every time you get to a new, um, new opportunity and you expand yourself, things new, you're going to have new, new problems, like new things are going to arise or new things to learn. Like you said, you know, becoming, becoming a leader, um, uh, which is so cool. So like, I'm curious to learn more about, like, I honestly kind of want to know, you mentioned that you kind of like had some embarrassing things. I'm, I'm wondering if there was something specific that you were thinking about, um, through that journey to becoming a leader or just kind of some positive advice or things that you went through that would be helpful for somebody stepping into the, this leadership role and how we can all become better leaders. Yeah. I would say really, uh, to live a life and to be privileged to live a life that no one, most people don't get to experience, you have to be willing to do things that most people are willing to do, right? And so being embarrassed, falling on your butt, getting hurt, right, is what most people don't want to sign up for. But if you want to become an entrepreneur or you want to you know, become successful, you better get used to doing that over and over and over again. So 
here I am, you know, in my entrepreneurial journey, probably 15, 17, 18 years. I don't know, something like that. Um, and even though I'm way more experienced than I was when I first started, I am still falling on my butt, still embarrassing myself, right? But it's on a whole different level because every time that you do something new, you're not going to be the best at it. So you're, you're going to fall on your butt. You're going to make mistakes and you're going to embarrass yourself. So uh, if I were to say one thing, honestly, I can't really tell you uh, that many, but, but I'll tell you a few that like really sucked. Okay. That really like stick out to me. One is the first event that I, I, I put together, right. To, to have this, like, I mean, I was promoting it to all my friends and like, oh, it's going to be such an awesome party. And then only seven people show up. Right. That's pretty embarrassing in front of my peers, especially at that age when like popularity and, you know, looking good in front of your peers matters. Right. It matters less what the older you get. But back then that was like, that <laughs> was a big deal, right? So that was one. You know what? Actually, another one was uh, the first high school dance that I DJed was for my own high school. So I was so excited. I was like, yes, I get to look cool in front of all my friends, right? And all my peers. And then I flopped and I sucked at it, right? Dance floor was empty the entire night. And that following Monday coming back to school, I had to like, you know, kind of hold my head down and, and try to hide. <laughs> And I could tell people were just staring at me like, oh, he really sucked, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, was- man. Amazing, though. You know, again, your your resilience is, is incredible. Yeah, thanks. I, I would say the last one I'm going to share with you is actually the leadership one, right? So um, I was like, you know what? I need to grow this business beyond myself. So I need to te- I need to hire a person, teach them how to DJ. So that way now we can work two events in one day, not just one event. Cause I can be, I can only be in one place at once. Right. But if I hire a person, I teach them how to do it. Now, now we can be in two places at once. Right. And that person to ruin a person's wedding and then getting the phone call from the bride who's in tears telling me how that person ruined their wedding. Uh. Right. Embarrassing, painful. Right. But did we give up? No. Because now fast forward, we do a couple hundred events a year, right? We have the best like reputation when it comes to wedding specifically in our area, right? And people seek us out constantly now, but we had to make those mistakes in order to learn and grow and know how to improve, right? A lot of times people are too scared to put themselves out there because they want to make sure that they have all their ducks perfectly in line. Well, that's never going to happen when you first start out, right? You got to put yourself out there, receive feedback, and that feedback is going to tell you how to align those ducks properly. But without you putting yourself out there, you can't align the ducks. It doesn't work. Yes. Right? You're not going to have this perfect line. It's the con- correction mentality. You can only course correct, um, you know, when you are flying, you know, when you're in the air and you're willing to take a leap and take a launch and get out there and do it. You're not going to find by guessing which step is the next one to take. You know, you have to stick your foot out there, you know, and and you may fall, but then try again, you know, keep moving forward, man. That's a great, I'm glad you shared that. That's, that's super powerful, especially something like that. Um, like a wedding that, like you said, is a big, you know, I can't even imagine how, how you were feeling during, during that. Um, I am curious, like what, how are you able to kind of course correct in when that happened? Well, I asked myself, you know, like at first, of course, the natural inclination is to be mad at the other person, right? 
But again, if you focus on self-development and you're educating yourself and you're, you're gaining inspiration and knowledge from the greats, right? Um, they'll quickly tell you, Hey, you know, ultimately the leader is the one who's at fault always. So even if someone else that you are in charge of, right? Like that you're, you're the leader of messes up and they, it was their negligence ultimately because you're their leader by definition, it's your fault. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I had to look myself in the mirror, which was really tough at that point. Right. To go, okay, where am I at fault? Cause I wasn't at the event. I didn't do that. Right. That person messed up. Right. But then when I thought a little deeper, I was like, maybe I didn't train them properly. Maybe I didn't set them up with the proper tools, you know? Maybe I should have shadowed them first multiple times. So in the case that they were about to make a mistake, I could step in instead of just sending them out to the first event by themselves, right? And then I started recognizing, oh yeah, it is the leader's fault every single time. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, it's- By the uh... way, it makes you an awesome friend, makes you an awesome spouse, an awesome parent, because if you're always choosing to take responsibility, extreme ownership, right? People will first off love you, respect you and appreciate you for it, but you're going to grow from that as well every single time. Cause you're not a person that's a victim that's looking to make excuses. You're a person that's looking for solutions, right? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Because that reflection was able to see, like you said, the solution was, Oh, I need to shadow them. And, you know, you're, you're letting them in and, and then stepping them in, uh, you know, stepping in when you need to, if you need to, mm. you know, and they're going to perform better knowing that you're there also. So like that could be part of it as well. Like maybe you don't even step in and you're just there, but it's going to make them feel a little bit more comfortable knowing that they have that, that backup, you know, to, per yeah. to per perform at a higher, higher level themselves. You know, because if they're worried more about like screwing up, guess what? They're probably going to screw up if they're worried about screwing up. But if they know that you, you're, you're there to support them and help them, then they're, they're confident and they're going to show up in their best selves because they're not worrying about this and that. They can focus on the deliverable. You know, I'm curious though, and it's not really as relevant to entrepreneur, but I'm curious at like, and hopefully this is a quick, quick answer, but like what, what was it that like didn't go well? at the event at the event multiple things uh okay. lack of announcements um mm. oh literally the person got the bride's name wrong Ooh. so announced the wrong name really painful right then didn't have the proper songs like ready for the the special dances like first dance father daughter dance right Oh, man. So it was literally, yeah, it was, it was that bad. Yeah. <laughs> but here's probably the thing. just a young kid. He'd never even been to a wedding probably before or very few. Like, yeah. Just I, mean, not that. I was young as well. Right. Yeah. So, and I had actually not been to that many weddings either. So I had a lack of understanding as well. Mm. But is 2020. Right. So from that vantage point, we didn't know what we were doing, but now fast forward to today, we have a full training curriculum in, in, in place. And we know every single time with guarantee that once these people are, are, you know, team members pass our training curriculum, they are going to be ready with full confidence to perform the event. Okay. And we're going to get five-star reviews back, back in return. And here's what's even more interesting is that I'm not even running the training anymore. 
So I've been able to empower someone like I trained the person who trains people now, which is even more incredible, right? And without making those mistakes, I would never be able to have ended up in this position. I had to make that mistake in order to know how to get to this point. Yeah. Incredible. Now you got a team of people taking care of things so that you can focus on other businesses, you know, like I, I love that. I mean, it's so cool. And, um, you know, hearing, you know, us meeting basically because of DJ university basically, but here you are, man. I mean, you're, 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 you're a star. Like you've got all of this experience from a young age to building a successful business. And here you are on, on to the next one. Um, which is just super amazing and inspiring to see how old are you, by the way? I'm 34. 34. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. That's so cool. Um, so to shift gears a little bit, um, I am curious about kind of what this like entrepreneur journey, like you, you're able to grow, you're building your team, you're becoming that leader, you're training other people. Now you start this, um, you know, you're, you started a course, you know, to help other people do the same. Mm -hmm. Um, so like, what was kind of like the inspiration behind wanting to do that? Yeah. So really it came down to, Hey, uh, I want to fire myself I, I, again to a W2, like employee mindset, a person it's counterintuitive, but to an entrepreneur, we don't want to work in the business. We want to own the business and move on. Right. And so I had to ask myself, how do I fire myself from training people? Right. How do I ultimately, uh, grow this business without me having to personally travel from state to state? You know, once we grow this company across the nation, right? I don't want to be the person that jumps into airplanes or, or cars and travels to every location just to make sure that training is going properly, right? So at first, the foundation of DJ University was actually to create an in-house training, uh, online and automated training process. So that way it could scale across the country and across the world over time. The inspiration for the name came from uh, Ray Kroc's book. Ray Kroc is the person who invested in McDonald's, right? And turned McDonald's into what it is today. And they actually had Hamburger U for all their franchises. It still exists to this day, right? It's called Hamburger U. If you ever want to invest in a McDonald's and become a franchisee, you have to go to Hamburger U, right? And I thought, man, DJU would be awesome. I wonder if it's available, right? And at first it wasn't. And so I just waited it out and then it became available and then I, I purchased it. And Amazing. Trademark to it now too, which is nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably from uh, from Joey. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> um, Joey's our mutual friend. He's awesome. He's been on the show. Um, but yeah, that's so cool. Um, what is, by what is the book by Ray Kroc? Do you remember the title of the book? I don't recall it actually. Yeah, no. it's all right. Um, but one one thing I thought was super interesting that you mentioned as well um, was again like fire yourself. Um, there's a book called the entrepreneur roller coaster by, um, I think it's Ben Hardy or Darren Hardy. I forget which one. Um, mm. but he talks about how he interviewed billionaires and they were, and he was like, what, what made you a billionaire? He's like, I quit. And they're like, what? And he's like, yeah, I just quit. I focus on quitting everything that I do. And you know, it's, it's a way to grab your attention, which it does when you say the word quit, but I like the way you're saying it too, like firing myself. It's just, it's the same concept. Uh, it's a fun way of saying like outsourcing, basically or delegating and building people to take the responsibilities that you have so that you stop doing these things, you know? Yeah. And, and what's so interesting too, to circle back to your first experience 
when you were, uh, had that bad thing is your initial thought, I'm sure at some point was, oh, you know, you got to just do stuff yourself. Oh, you know, he screwed up and I just got to do something myself. But you didn't let that stop you. You didn't go back into that rabbit hole. You saw the bigger vision of like, no, it just, he needs to be trained better. You know, there needs to be more processes. There needs to be things that are, that are done in place. Not, oh, oh, well, if it can't be done, you know, then I'll just do it myself. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, you know, just, just given that, that I was trying to explain the story very quickly, I, I did leave some details out. This didn't happen overnight, right? I didn't just come to that realization overnight. It was something of like, I was mad at that person at first, then calmed down, then thought about it, asked myself, and then figured things out, right? Mm-hmm. It was over, you know, maybe like a few weeks span, let's say. Um, but yeah, it, it, it is a, I remember actually learning how to grow a team how challenging that was because it's this is your baby that you started and to hand off the keys to someone that could potentially ruin that all that work and sacrifice and time that you've invested up until that point is a very scary thing right but again it's stretching you it's growing past your comfort zone that's why you're feeling uncomfortable and it's necessary for you to graduate to the next level you have to be willing to do that and and feel uncomfortable and and that's the the interesting part it's again for the amount of years that I, of experience I have now in business, I still feel uncomfortable with the things that I'm working on. And it's actually a great feedback of, of like a metric to keep track of like, Hey, how uncomfortable am I currently? Cause if I'm not, that means we're not pushing ourselves hard, hard enough. We're not, we're not going to grow to the, the level that we ultimately want to grow. Right. Cause you think like, Oh yeah, once I make it, then I'll, I'll be comfortable. Well, here's the funny part is once you make it, you then go, okay, well, there's another level that I can achieve. Do I want to stay here forever or do I want to keep going? But if you choose to keep going, you're going to feel uncomfortable. This is how it works. Yeah. Yeah. You're And getting used to it, you know, just getting used to being uncomfortable, you know, and I think it's one of those things often we avoid this level of discomfort, but things are going to happen no matter what that are going to be uncomfortable, you know, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, you know, even still, like, it's just life is uncomfortable. Like things are going to happen that, that aren't going to be as you planned, you know, or, you know, again, it's just these things that can come up that you can't prepare for, but you just have to be prepared enough that understanding that you'll be able to figure it out and you'll get through it. You'll be able to get through these mistakes. You know, this one bad wedding didn't ruin your business. You know, you were able to get through like a bad review, get through a bad experience, you know? And I think that works with everything. Oh, you have a bad podcast episode or a bad video that you publish or, you know, a, just a bad DJ session again, maybe personally. And it wasn't somebody else that you did, you did off, you know, like, you, you know, your experience at the high school, you know? So being able to reflect and just be like, Hey, you, you know, I love sharing this quote. It's from Jim Edwards. Uh, you've read, you've, um, you're a click funnels guy. Like you've read. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Jim copyright. Edwards is, is the copyright secrets. Yeah. So he, one of my favorite quotes in that book is, you know, it's like, in order to be great, you need to first be good. In order to be good, you need to be bad. Mm-hmm. And I just, I think it's so powerful, you know, and I love saying that I want to repeat it like in every episode. Cause I feel like it's just such an important thing to realize like every single thing that we do, if we want to get better, we have to be willing to be bad at everything, whether it's, you know, maybe you're surfing, you know, that's something that I've been 
getting into recently, you know, I'm okay getting out there and having no clue what I'm doing and people watching me fall or barely being able to ride a wave. Cause at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. I'm if you're focused on me and just getting better and improving. And at the end of the day, it comes to that reflection. And, and you said this repeatedly is like not worrying about what other people are going to think, you know, focus yeah. on yourself and how you can do better and be better and do more. I was just going to say, Nick, that it's actually a, a more found, a, more of a foundational skill as well, right? Or principle, sorry, not skill, but principle, foundational principle. Think about this. When you're a baby and you first learn how to walk, you got to learn how to crawl. Well, guess what? You suck at crawling. You're going to fall over, right? Then once you start learning how to walk, you fall over, right? Then you start learning how to run. And then it comes to riding a bike, right? And you fall, right? And on and on it, go, it goes. So really, it's just a foundational principle that's just true in life in general, right? Anything that we want, wherever there's growth, there's going to be that pain initially, the sacrifice that you got to put in. But then the, on the opposite side of that, if you're willing to dare to endure through that, that's where you actually end up getting all the fruits of your labor, right? And uh, one thing that sticks out to me with that is uh, Warren Buffett's quote. He says, you know, in the beginning, you get paid for what you do. Then you get paid for uh, uh, what you know. And then in the end, you get paid for who you grow. So if you think about it, you get paid for what you do because you got to learn the skill first. Now that you know the skill, you become a manager or a leader that can then train someone else how to do that skill. So you get paid for what you know. And then ultimately as an entrepreneur, you then, you know, foster a CEO or someone else that can then be a leader of leaders. So then it's about, you get paid for who you grow. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. And I do want to, I want to say too, I love the, um, like the children analogy because it's one of those things like when it, when a young kid is trying to walk and they fall, you're not like, Oh, I guess, I guess walking's not good for you. Right. I guess, I guess you'll just never yeah. learn how to walk. <laughs> like, you know, like you just, that's not the case. And I think so many of us, like when we get started, if we fail then we're like, Oh, well, I guess this isn't for me. Mm -hmm. It's like, but you wouldn't say that to a child. So why would you say that to yourself? Like potentially yourself in business, like, Oh, something didn't work out the way that you want. What are you going to do? You're going to sulk. You're going to cry. You're going to just go back into your, your cave or you're going to get up and you're going to try again until you are willing to make it work. And I think a lot of times we put these like deadlines or these things that we want to put on ourselves of when we need to accomplish stuff. But if you don't have a time standpoint, and I know some people are like goals, you got to have a goal, specific dates, measurable. No, it's, it's, if, if you have a goal and, and you you commit to making it work, no matter how long it takes, you're going to be so much more likely to achieve that goal because you're just committed to the result instead of committed to the time frame, which can be, you know, disheartening. Like if you think about it from like a physical fitness standpoint and you're like, I'm going to lose 60 pounds in 60 days. It's like, all right, well, that's really hard. But what if you just said you're just going to lose 60 pounds and you're not going to stop until you, until you get it. Like it may take you two years, mm -hmm. but, but you're going to get there because you're committed to it. Yeah. To, to, to getting that goal. And I'm assuming you can relate to this as well. Every time that I've set a goal with a deadline, right? Because it is smart to do that. Literally smart, if you know that. Yeah. yeah. ART, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> so, um, but when it comes to setting a deadline, sometimes you're not going to hit it because there's certain things that are outside of your control, right? But Nick, can you relate to this? That uh, when you've set goals in the past with a deadline, you may have not hit it right on that date, 
But then a few months later, you do hit it. You end up hitting it. Yes, absolutely. Right? A lot of times what I've noticed is like I would get so discouraged because like, oh, man, I didn't hit my deadline, right? But in the end, over and over and over and over again, because I've been doing this for a while now, I've been able to check all these goals off my list. Things that were started off as an idea or a dream became a reality, not based off my specific timeline. There was a little delay because it took me a while to actually learn certain skills that I needed to acquire those those opportunities or, or those goals. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, I've had those those same experiences. And most of the time when I set a deadline, you know, that it, it kind of kicks me in gear a little bit to, to, to get, right? yeah, exactly. To, I'll, you know, I'll post stuff on social media and I'm like, Hey, I'm doing this because, you know, again, it's on social media. Well, I'm a man of my word. And so I put it out there because I know that it's sometimes the kick in the butt that I need to, to make sure that it's going to, to happen. But like you said, it's not being, you're not discouraged about when you maybe don't hit it. Because I think it's important at the same time you look behind like, hey, you didn't lose 60 pounds, but you lost 35. Like, right? yeah. you know, take the time to reflect and look back on like what you've been able to achieve. You know, for me, the, the example that came out to me, my, I had was like, my goal was to move to San Diego in July mm -hmm. of 2020. Um, and then I ended up not doing it until October. But, you know, again, like. I didn't even think twice about that. You know, I mean, there was a global pandemic. So I think that's a fair um, excuse too, and like delaying my plans a little bit. And, you know, a lot of other things happened though, right? Say that again. I said, in the end, you still achieved it though. Right. So yeah. 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 And, and like I had goals of having a certain revenue by the time I was leaving and I wasn't even close, mm -hmm. not even close. Yeah. But I was like, give us a reason or an excuse to give up. Absolutely not. Right. No. We got to keep going. Yeah. And I, and again, I was being so committed to your goals makes it possible that, that nothing will get in your way, you know, even if it is like money, because again, for me, it was like a burn the ships too. It's like, all right, well, I'm moving there. I'll figure it out now. Yeah. I don't need that. I'll, I'm going to make money when I'm there anyway. So I, I don't need to have a certain amount in savings to make sure that I'm, you know, good. It's like, I'm just going to, figure it out, make it happen. And I think that again, your listeners can also agree with this, that like, you may know someone, you can probably name that person, right? There's a person that you know, in your life that has a real sense of confidence. And then there's probably a person that you know, that has a fake sense of confidence, right? The people that have a fake sense of confidence tend to be the cocky ones, right? They're trying to prove something so bad to people that they are insecure about themselves, right? Versus how do you gain real confidence? You know how you gain real confidence is by taking the risk and being willing to do something beyond your comfort zone, making mistakes, learning from them, getting back up again, and then conquering that goal or whatever you wanted to achieve to prove to yourself that you're capable. Because once you recognize whatever you put your mind to, you can achieve, that's where the real sense of confidence comes from. And you go, well, it's able to achieve that what else can I achieve now? Right. Amazing. And that's you, you must've proved that to yourself over and over and over again before moving here, because you're like, Hey, I'll figure it out either way. That's a real sense of confidence. Most people who, who don't have that, that level of confidence would never take that risk to move across the country without any guarantees. Right. But you must've done things in your life prior to that decision 
that have proven to yourself over and over and over, hey, you know, when I said I would do this, yeah, I didn't hit my timeline, but I still got it done. I still achieved that goal, right? And I did this and I did that and I did this and I did that. Oh, now I'm going to move across the country. I'm pretty sure, yeah, it's not going to go based off my timeline, but in the end, I will still still figure it out, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And that's, that's valuable for me to, to reflect on myself as well. Yeah. You know, you don't think about it because it was still big at the time, but I didn't think about how previous events leading up to it really actually were preparing, preparing me mm -hmm. for being willing to take that leap during a pandemic, you know, during on the things going on that, um, yeah, that, it, you know, again, and I love the quote, um, like Brendan Bouchard is like, your confidence is really your ability to figure things out, your belief in your ability to figure things out. You don't wow. actually have to know how to do that certain thing or to be confident. It's like, how do you become confident? Well, you just do it and then you do it more. You know, it's like, how is anyone confident in anything? Uh, because they were willing to fail a bunch of times. You know, it's not like you see some, like somebody that, uh, I don't know why this example came up in my head, but like someone that maybe is good about, good to talk into, to females, you know, well, that's because they, they, they tried and they tried and they were horrible. And then they just got better at it because they were willing to, to try, you know, and willing to, to fall and then, and figure stuff out. And I love that you talked about that, um, you know, earlier as well, you know, getting hurt and, you know, being willing to, to fall. And, um, you know, where, where there is pain, there is growth, you said. Um, uh, and this was, this was so awesome. I mean, it was so cool hearing your, you know, your story from getting started in entrepreneurship at such a, a young age, you know, middle school, you're, you know, you're starting that process and then high school and kind of sharing how you got started, started loving just the business aspect, you know, within DJing and then quitting your grocery job to remove that safety net and just go all in and burn the ships. I mean, and then having the flop, you know, the flop of your first event, you know, you, but you learn from it. You learned exactly what you can do, what you can't, you know, in order to grow, in order to improve, we need to figure out what doesn't work in order to figure out what does work. You know, you were able to analyze the data. Oh, well, I didn't promote this long enough. I need to promote it longer, you know, and that will work. You know, um, you talked about trusting the process, you know, and just like understanding that if you put in the work, you put in the time, you know, things will work out for you when you're, when you're diligent and you're, you care about your craft, you know, and, and you were diligent about learning, not just about becoming a better DJ, but also about learning the business aspect, which mm -hmm. can be tough because again, that's, those are like the two, those are the two assets that, that you're doing. And most business does require that level of not only learning the craft within the business, but also the business itself. Um, and then I love the, um, the bus factor. I think I've heard like similar stories of that where somebody, you know, it's like, Hey, you get hit by a bus, like, oh, well, your, your business is gone. And it's such a great analysis or like visualization that you can think of like, well, what would happen? You know, like, could this business survive without me? you know, and is it something that you want to survive without you also? I think to think about it from a legacy standpoint, you know, that's like taking it one step further. Not only will it survive if I get hit by a bus, but what about when I die, when I'm 90, you know, is your business going to be still running and growing, which is a cool thing to think about. They talk about that in the infinite game by Simon Sinek, which is a great, great book. Um, but then, yeah, you talked about, you know, again, just 
becoming a leader and how you had to step into that role, knowing that that was an important aspect for you to be able to, to grow and build the business that you wanted to, to grow, you know, getting hurt, being willing to fall on your, on your butt, fire yourself, you know, get <laughs> being willing to fire yourself so that you can, again, focus on other things, you know, here you are on a second business, working on a third business, you know, I'm sure it won't be your, your last either. Um, as you continue to be your serial entrepreneurial self, but you know, with, with pain, um, you know, without pain, there is no growth. I, I love that you shared that. And then not to mention, um, you know, the quote that you, you get paid for what you do and you get paid for what you know, and you get paid for who you grow. Um, I think that is a super powerful quote. Who'd you say that was Warren Buffett? You said, yeah, yeah amazing. Um, so awesome. So, I mean, just an incredible, so much value. I'm so glad that, that we were able to talk about all of these, you know, different assets and, and avenues that you went through, through, through this entrepreneur journey through yourself and, and everything that you shared was so powerful, you know, just the power of failure and what that can do, you know, for you and what it's done for you now, um, and continues to do. And I think no matter what level you're at, you still have to continue to fail because those are the new levels that, you know, you're going to accomplish. So thank you so much for, for being here. This was awesome. Absolutely. My pleasure, Nick. Yeah. Um, real <laughs> say that again. I said, thanks for having me, by the way. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, real quick, because I'd love to ask this. I know we did talk about a few different books already, but is there one particular book and maybe it is, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but if you have one particular book that, that you just recommend a ton that was super influential and impactful for you? Yeah, I would say How to Win Friends and Influence People by mm. Bill Carnegie. It's a classic. Um, and the reason why I suggested that one is because it's not necessarily a business book, right? It's more about um, how to just be a good person <laughs> in a sense that like, you know, um, how to be a good listener, not make the conversation only about you, right? There's so many people that, are, that make the conversation all about themselves. Um, and then also how to, how to be a good networker because ultimately um, it is about the who, not the how, right? So there's another, <laughs> I just mentioned the, the, you know, Warren Buffett quote with, uh, who you, who you grow. Right. But there's also the, it's not always about what you, uh, what you know, but it's, it's about uh, the how too, or, or the, instead of the, what it's the how, right. Or sorry, I'm, I'm butchering that instead of the, what and the, how it's about the who, right. Yes. Because sometimes you just need to work with people that are better than you at, at, at certain things. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. Amazing. So powerful. And then that's a great book too. And, and great quote. I think it says a lot. Yeah. It's about building relationships, you know, and how you communicate with other people. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it, it's, it's very powerful book. So, um, great, great choice. Um, and then lastly, um, what's the best way for somebody to get in touch with you, follow you, connect with you? Yeah. Um, really I would say at learn from DJU. So that's at learn from DJU on social media. Um, and then also djuniversity.com. Love it. Awesome. Ben, thank you so much for your time. This was amazing. Yeah, you're very welcome. And uh, thank you listeners for being here. And remember, let's keep growing together. Wait, wait, one more thing. I would first like to say thank you. Thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed this message, please take a moment to write a review. By writing a review, it helps people find this message and helps me help more people. 
And if you really, really liked it, and you think this message could help someone else, take a screenshot, share it on Instagram, and please tag me at Nick J. Bonnie, N-I-C-K-J-B-O-N-I, so I can show my appreciation for you. We can all win by helping each other grow. Thank you. Take care, and I'll talk to you soon.